Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, all right. Welcome back to another Tactical Tuesday, conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice to build your solar business and career and grow with us here on Suncast. If Thursdays are for thoughtful insight into who of the industry, then consider this the what, how, why, when, where, the tools of the trade, if you will. Sometimes we bring you content from one of our many live broadcasts and trainings, but today we're going to bring you a live conversation with someone I've known for quite a while. I'm glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guest and recommendations that you hear in our show notes at mysuncast.com. While you're at it, I would encourage you to subscribe to the show in whatever podcast platform you prefer. And uh, check it out on YouTube. Sometimes we stream these live as well. Today, we are going to be hanging out with a longtime colleague, friend, and mentor, Sergio Blanco. We're going to talk about the insight he's gleaned from decades of work in international infrastructure and finance. We're going to get into why it matters for you as a project developer or perhaps to your business if you're looking to invest in the crazy growth market of the United States of America. Let's get down to business. Tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical conversation here on Suncast. Okay, as I mentioned, Sergio Blanco is not only a friend and mentor, but he was my former boss. He's also the director of project finance at Partner Engineering and Science. We will refer to them here as Partner. He's focused on the energy renewables sector, leads due diligence, and has done so for the acquisition and financing of more than a gigawatt of projects throughout the U.S. and Latin America. I could go on and on, but let's welcome Sergio to the show. Good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to see you, Nico. Nice to be with you. Likewise, man. Uh, long time coming. I think it's probably fair to say that we could not have imagined, or maybe you, you could have back in the days of Connergy when you were helping a young developer kind of get his, his way, <laughs> wiggly legs, wobbly legs under him about what project development actually looks like in, in the grown-up world. It's been fun to watch how your career has evolved as well and the an unbelievable success you guys are having at Partner. Thank you, Nico. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's again, it's uh, nice to be with you and, and seeing that your platform, it's uh, growing bigger and bigger every time. I'm excited about being with you guys. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited to actually unpack some of the things that you've worked on in a, a remarkable career that covers a couple of decades plus uh, work with Banco Mext, one of the biggest uh, financial entities in Latin America, from Mexico, your native country, and where a lot of Suncast listeners know that I've spent a fair amount of time. And uh, you spent a lot of time in Chile as well with General Electric, GE Finance. The work that you've done with infrastructure is is broad and, and all-encompassing, I would say. Sergio, we are going to dig into a lot of your background, time in Latin America in particular, and how that informs your ability to provide sound advice to folks that are now looking at investing to invest 
either through their fund or setting up their own business here in the United States. At a 30,000 foot level though, I'd love to know, do you have what you might consider to be a bit of a summary, maybe the three key points of how international companies think about investing in new markets? This is a great question because you can see in different industries, there's always tricky elements for every investor when it's looking to to grow up their business out of their comfort zone, which is their own country. And basically what they're the, the first the, the three questions that they usually ask is do I know the market? Do I have the right knowledge to uh, to get into that market and, and try to play like a, a big time? A, what type of investments I'm going to need to do in order not only to to have the operations, which is going to be the third point, but do I have the the resources in place, or I know that that I can have them so that I can be a proficient player. And the third one, as I already mentioned, it's operations. Mm. Am I located in the right place? Do I have or visibility or knowledge of a good pipeline of projects that I can execute on? Do I have the right team, whether it's internal or external, that can help me get where I need to be in order to, to, to meet the requirements of my stakeholders? So I would say that I, I don't know if this, in a nutshell, answers this broad question, because uh, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody who's 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 asking themselves these questions is this is is this the right time for me to start investing outside? That's the the uh, the, the three key elements they need to they need to have a a positive or negative answer in order yeah. to move on. Well, I ask you to come on the show because you've been tip of spear to do this not once but I think four or five times in your career. Were sent outside of your home country of Mexico to I think Brazil to begin with with Banco Mext. And then again, with, uh, with General Electric, you and I ran all over Latin America for Conergy. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that you've been now, the, you've sort of, your role has been reversed. You're the person that receives a lot of the requests and helps process and due diligence and, and helps investors outside of the U.S. thinking about how to place capital, how to gather the appropriate knowledge of understanding the market, and how to set up operations in the U.S., leveraging that depth of experience you gained in your early career. For those who don't know you as well as I do, would you give us the three to five minute version of the arc of your career and the through line that positions you uniquely to be able to advise folks on how to assess the investments they're considering? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm a CPA for deformation, not by formation, as we say in, in, in Mexico. Deformation? Um, yes. <laughs> 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 but 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 in a way that 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 training has helped me not only to understand how the financial um, uh, world works, but also how a company should have a, a structured way to think about a business. With that in mind, I started my my, my career in Bancomex as a, a underwriter slash business developer. Uh, so I was I was in charge of uh, the infrastructure business for the region where I lived, which is uh, a, a Ver a Veracruz and uh, and the Gulf states. Then I had the opportunity with all this knowledge that I acquired during two three years of of, of working with for these guys uh, to move to Chile to work as a as an as an advisor for Mexican companies to enter 
the, the Chilean market. My, I, I, as, as you were mentioning, my work at the beginning was was to be the the point of spear for these guys to have the local knowledge of the market and help them get these three answer three these three question, questions answered before they do anything and lose a lot of money or time. <laughs> so a lot of business research, a lot of uh, a business intelligence that later on translated to uh, to helping strategize uh, these Mexican companies in different uh, infrastructure areas to get into Chile, that transitioned to Brazil. And it, it trans when when I mean transition, it was on, not only a transition of country, but it was a, a transition of, of functions. The, the strategy vision for Mexico in Brazil wasn't to to take Mexican products to the Brazilian market. It was more the other way around. Hey, how can we bring uh, Brazilian investors to be interested into the Mexican market? With the knowledge of helping these guys coming into Chile, uh, I reverse engineered in order to try to make big players in the in the Brazilian market to invest in our, in 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 my country. It was a really fun experience, and that again transition to General Electric. I started uh, in G Capital, uh, one of their businesses that it was called G Capital in, uh, Infrastructure Finance. I was the leader for Latin America originating transactions for what they call transfer, transportation assets. Basically, it was besides uh, commercial airplanes, outside of that, I was trying to finance ports, a, a port equipment, uh, container carriers, offshore rigs, those type of assets that have uh, uh, something to do with the uh, transportation of something. And, uh, and that business had a lot of experience uh, financing or leasing. Lehman Brothers comes along, and uh, a lot of uh, changes happen within within GE, as everybody knows. At that time, things start getting reshuffled, and somebody in the HR department uh, realized that I already had experience in Chile, working for the Mexican government and working trying to open new markets for Mexican companies. Mm -hmm. So somebody had the idea. Hey, Sergio, your business it's going to be acquired by somebody by somebody else we're going to uh, run it off it's going it's in our in the spinning bucket so instead of you walking away from from us why don't you consider co uh, coming to work for us in chile mm -hmm. and start um uh, doing what you do what you do best with which is open a, a new markets a new markets for us in mm -hmm. in 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 chile in the different in the different uh, uh businesses uh, that we in the dis different business lines that we have so i at that time as I, I was developing healthcare building a trying to to sell a, a equipment to hospitals but not 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 the not only the equipment it was trying to help the the Chilean government to understand how to navigate the PPP world the the private partnerships public partner uh, public private partnerships uh, we were experts on that so uh, my job was try to help them how to put an, an RFQ together in order for them to be successful uh, getting to that point. Uh, we were successful. We we won two, two hospitals in the first tender. They're one of the uh, high-end hospi public hospitals in, 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 in Chile right now and a trademark for, for the country on, on, on that regard. Also worked on the, um, uh, for Smart Grid, trying to push our technology towards uh, our friendly legislation 
so that a country would be more accept acceptable to new ways to see markets and to see different ways to to make feel comfortable the consolidated industries to let other players. Well, Sergio, it's clear from hearing a bit of the narrative of your early part of your career, how finance and infrastructure played a role in your formation. At what point did you really roll your sleeves up and start to understand how energy itself is infrastructure? And how did that bring you to the understanding of the finance and infrastructure sector for energy? Well, this is a, a great question. I actually, I was either, I think all, all my career, I was uh, one way or the other involved in, in energy, even not even not to my knowledge, mm. but uh, uh, where when I I really started working in energy was what was uh, on my tenure in, in Chile with GE. I started developing relationships with not only with with local players but with 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 the government creating governmental relationships uh, for GE uh, on the nuclear nuclear sector and gas. So soon enough, I learned that uh, it's not only that uh, uh, we need to work with uh, through legislation. To, in order to to, posi to position a company or, or a product, it's also the need to have the right financing financing tools in order to make those projects happen. Right. And uh, that's where, where I started to to realize that we needed to think out of the box and not only to think as a, as a equipment pusher, <laughs> but also, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, instead of selling the energy, why don't we sell the kilowatt hour? Instead of selling uh, uh, the, a desalinization plant, why don't we sell right. to the to the mining companies uh, the the cubic feet that they need up in the in 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 the in in their mining site? Instead mm. of, of of having this uh, this uh, the, the equipment for this hospital, why don't we partner with an operator and create a whole new business that is going to generate? A business for our business and for the other branches of, of, of our of our of our of our business, bringing finance, bringing knowledge, bringing technology, and marriage them all together. What you've just described is, you, you know, it's a management consulting role in many ways, and it underscores you know, what we talked about in the beginning: that need for a strategic advisor who can see through the lens of what each stakeholder requires. Something that I'm sure you learned to do very well. In your Banco Mex days, trying to convince the Brazilians to invest their capital in Mexico and to bring their products to Mexico, convincing local Mexican authorities that, that it was an opportunity to bring Absolutely. not just yeah. these products, but the services these and the, these, yeah, these and the investments. benefits. <laughs> yeah, the benefits it would it would yield. If we fast forward to today, we're expected to see 2022 as the biggest year of installation and growth for the renewable sector, specifically solar in the yeah. United States and, and energy storage. I'd love to hear, you know, you spent a lot of, uh, of additional hour, man hours <laughs> developing projects with, with us for Conergy and then at ET Solar, now at Partner Engineering. I'd, I'd like to hear from the lens of your current role at Partner, how do you see foreign direct investment, let's say sizing up or analyzing, or even perhaps salivating over the United States market. What are you seeing? You sit at the funnel where a lot of projects come to you for advisory services and due diligence. And a lot of international firms come to you and say, can you help us find projects? Can you help us identify the right market? Can you help us figure out how to invest our dollars? How do the, the companies that obviously you can't name here that you're engaged with think about the U.S. market 
in a way that might be instructive for others who would want to find a partner in the United States? I don't think there's a, a straight answer for, for, for this question, but in my experience, what I've always seen, it's some sort of a, of, of a path. Mm-hmm. And that, that has to be, that's very aligned with the life of a company. Let's say that you you have a you, you have a new company, so you have a lot of cha- operational challenges. You need to put your product out there. You're fighting competition. You're trying to position yourself in your local market. Once you achieve that as a company and you got a name, you're you're established, and you have a consolidated market, you have the need to grow. And sometimes your growth it's not going to be a directly. On your on 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 your local market, the growth has to come up from somewhere else, mm-hmm. and that somewhere somewhere else it's like what it's happening right now with a lot of companies, in, mm-hmm. in especially investors already located in, in Latin America, they are already consolidated, uh, and they are looking for new opportunities, and they're looking where's the next the next big market where we can continue grow exponentially as as we've done it until today. And that market right now, it's the U.S. You, you see a lot of uh, companies that have been established or investment funds that are established in Latin America because of the consolidation or the consolidation of the Mexican market, to give you an example. Mm-hmm. They're looking to come to the U.S. in order to grow. I've seen yeah. that uh, with, with Spanish investors. I've seen that with uh, English investors and even local Latin America companies that are already being funded and 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 need to deploy that in, a, a, those uh, investments fast. That's one of the reasons that I've seen a, these companies trying to establish themselves in a quick manner a, here in the U.S. Yeah, I, I see that a lot as well. I think that you could speak probably more profoundly to this than I can, but anecdotally, we both have a lot of friends in Latin America who are in the energy sector. And they reach out to me and to you, I'm sure. And they say, hey, I'm looking at XYZ market. In many cases, my jaw drops at the companies that are quietly, and in some cases, not so quietly, moving operations into the United States from Mexico, from Colombia, uh, Peru, from Chile, from Brazil, of course, because they see a huge opportunity here. And that's just, you know, that's just Latin America. I think it would surprise a lot of folks, actually, then the level of acumen coming out of Latin America and families who have, by and large families who have enjoyed decades of high profit margin and their their capital is seeking stability and they see that in the United States, but it also is asking for growth and growth with stable returns. Do folks come to you and ask, hey, what can I expect for a return on my investment in the United States? Do you get in that discussion a lot? Yeah, but before we get into that, I think it's important to make a point on, on what you were mentioning. Besides being uh, being the next market, I would say uh, the U.S. for 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 these companies, there's a lot of other attractives for the investors to come to to come to the U.S. First of all, it's as you as you, as we already know, it's a well consolidated market with a rule of law, and that has straight up policy that works for everybody. Also, it has a well establish and develop finance, uh, financing industry mm-hmm. that bets and, and, and knows the market and knows how to structure this type of, 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 of transactions. Uh, difference as other markets where there might be a mm-hmm. lot of interest to get in, a lot of good projects, a lot of support from governments, but the returns are, as you were mentioning, very high because they see a lot of risk 
investing in those countries. And also um, a local banking systems don't understand how to structure one of these transactions. And you and I uh, fought that a lot, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, five, six years ago, even in Mexico, they didn't know exactly how to structure project finance uh, a facility for a, for a five megawatt project. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they've also been fortunate for the last decade to experience growth and profitability. And they've got, I'll call it a war chest. They've got a safe measure of investment dollars that they can afford to call play with where they absolutely. recognize they recognize that the U.S. is a market where they can come, set up a sandbox, probably be successful, definitely export that knowledge and learning back to their home country where, as you stated, the regulators and the banks are still uh, in diapers, as we would say, on how to yes. how to structure these financing. So if you can establish a crack track record in the United States, it's a golden ticket. Absolutely. You're spot on. Hey, you know, it's becoming commonplace to hear that energy storage is the key to deploying renewables at scale. But if you've tried to put storage on a commercial solar project ever, then you realize it's easier said than done until now. Look, I've seen many energy storage solutions for commercial buildings as a solar project developer in my 15 years in the industry, but Yada Energy's storage product just scratches that developer itch of fit, function, and ease to install. Yada's PV-coupled ecosystem of solar plus storage solutions integrates seamlessly right behind the solar panel. In fact, it elegantly replaces the need for a ballast as it nests right into the racking on a flat roof install. Even better, Yada's integrated storage technology can enable up to 60% more solar to be deployed on commercial buildings. With commercial buildings consuming 35% of electricity, that means that Yada is finally helping business owners and solar installers alike make a serious dent in the commercial sector's massive carbon emissions. Yada Energy is poised to meet the growing demands of electrification by maximizing solar plus storage without taking up additional valuable commercial real estate for your customers. To find out how Yada Energy can bring storage to your CNI rooftop project, visit mysuncast.com forward slash Yada. That's Y-O-T-T-A. Yada Energy, an elegant and revolutionary approach to solar plus storage. Are you in the Massachusetts solar market? Well, if you are, I have an exclusive partnership opportunity I'd like to talk with you about related to the Massachusetts Smart Energy Program. Please Feel free to email me, nico at mysuncast.com, if the following applies. We're looking for folks with system sizes between 5 kilowatts and 500 kilowatts in the Eversource and National Grid service areas. We can help convert disqualified leads and turn them into revenue. We're looking for turnkey EPC services, and success fees can be paid at agreed-upon milestones. We'll help you convert unqualified solar leads and turn them into revenue. No credit or utility bill required. And we can work on all kinds of different properties, small commercial, rental property, places of worship, schools, multifamily condos, strip malls. Yeah, all of those places that you have heretofore been unable to put solar because they're unqualified or even residential leads that have DQ'd. Maybe you're a lead gen provider or know someone. All these types of projects we'd love to help you with. And we can give you more information if you want to reach out to me at Nico at my suncast. Com and mention Massachusetts Smart Energy Program in the subject line. So Sergio, with that in mind, I'd like to hear sort of your takeaways for the those two stakeholders, the 
international firms that want to come and invest in the United States, what's important for them to know, and then the local would-be partners here in the United States, how, how do we attract them? And, and from the first imper- uh, perspective, you've spent a lot of time working with investors who are seeking one of those three areas, either do I know enough about the market, what kind of investment will it take, and, and what are the returns, and then you know, what are the operations requirements? Where do you see, through the lens of those questions, that the international firms you routinely interact with tend to miss steps or make mistakes? What are the key early areas that you help them avoid making mistakes? Yeah, and 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 listen, uh, we talked at the beginning uh, of of the three key uh, uh, aspects, and we talked about knowledge. We talked about about investment and operations. When a company decides abroad to come to the U.S. Definitely, but def- most definitely, they already have figured out the investment part and the operation side. That's mm-hmm. that's a given because mm-hmm. they know that they're playing with the big boys. Yeah. So they, they, they know that, that they, they need to, to be ready. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is how to play in this market. Yeah. They're usually aware of their local, the local way they played. Like yeah. if, even though a local player that has operations in Mexico, Colombia, Chile, maybe Peru. What they think is that coming to the U.S., they're going to find a same legislation, a same way to do business in every state. And guess what? It's not. Every state, yeah. it's a different market. So that's the part that everybody misses when they, and, and, and that's the first cultural shock that I would, that, 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 uh, and that's the way I call it, uh, when they land in the U.S. How come, wait a minute, this is the, this is the first world. How come uh, this state that has excellent irradiation doesn't even have a, a renewable standard on place? And that's where I wanted to do business on. So guess what? No, I mean, you have to learn where you are. You have to learn, do your due diligence and start uh, finding out uh, where are the, the best places to play. And that's that's exactly what we're working with our partnering and uh, with, 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 our, with our customers, to our customers, trying to help them navigate that part of the, uh, that part of the equation, which is sometimes where everybody hits their head on the wall. I appreciate that. And that's actually, I, I mean, I hope somebody was listening closely. If you haven't yet set foot in the United States and you've already sort of think you figured out the market, you don't need to reinvent things, especially early. If you want to get an early quick win, unlike other tomes of business where they say, look what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. Don't do that. Don't do that for solar. Look what everybody else is doing business and go do that because that's where... <laughs> Uh, that's where the consensus is that you're actually going to see early volume, right? And early, uh, this is what we dealt with at Conergy's. This is why Conergy had to shut down their Latam business, right? Is because we just sent, we didn't have nearly the volume of transactions that the U.S. market and the European market were seeing. And and they didn't know how mar- to do business in, in, in the market. And they thought it was the same to do business as, as the U.S. Right. or Germany. It's the same thing in a microcosm here in the United States. You might try to do business we see it all the time, folks trying to set up operations, for example, let's just say in like in Georgia or in New Mexico or or even in Florida. And Absolutely. six months later, they're dismayed that they've gotten nowhere. And if they had set up operations in New York, they'd have a project going in the ground already. Right. Right. So it really is that simple. If you know where to go, uh, it's, it's how to where to point the tip of the spear. And that throughout your career has been you've been that homing beacon for the companies that you've worked for and now for the clients that come to partner, which is, which is highly valuable in the market. Now, if I'm a local 
developer, maybe I'm building a platform. I've got a part pipeline of projects. What do I do to attract those kinds of external investors? I might not be able to attract a shell or an EDPR, but there are many others coming out of Latin America, as we mentioned, and, and Asia are looking at putting money to work in the market. What do you see that developers do well or could be doing better to position themselves to attract that investment? This is a great question because uh, here you it's a, it's a clash of two worlds. Usually, uh, what 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 happened? Usually, the uh, the investors coming from Latin America or from other countries, they're used to develop a uh, big size projects. So they're looking for big big tickets. They're looking for the hundred megawatt projects. And what you usually find here in the U.S. is the developers that has have yes a hundred or one gigawatt in in portfolio. But guess what? In five megawatts or rooftops or or other other types of uh, of, uh, of of structures, that the local find that they have the right uh, the right product for 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 the uh, for the foreign investor, and the foreign investor investor comes out and 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 spends a lot of time trying to negotiate, and at the end of the day, they find out that mm, this is not a match. This is the first thing that 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 I think the local developers need to understand. When talking to an international company, learn who they are, what's their strategy, and if your a portfolio meets meets their a, a, what they're looking for, it's going to be hard for you to try to sell them in the idea that your portfolio is what it's good for them in the market. So, so yeah. that's 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 what what I've what what I've seen here, and I don't know if this adds value to yeah. either part. Well. What I heard you say is in an effort to appear bigger than you are as a developer, you tend to say, yeah, I've got a gigawatt of portfolio without really understanding what's important to a prospective investor in terms of ease of doing business, understanding of the local market. So if you are clear on what kind of projects you're offering and how to clarify your portfolio diversification in a way that's not misleading, then you could potentially find uh, external foreign investors for your for your project pipeline. That's one thing, and but and the other thing that is popping up in in my mind, mm-hmm. uh, and you you and I were talking this offline. Uh, most of the time, people forget that they have a huge asset. I mean, the, the local developers have a huge huge asset, and sometimes that huge 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 asset, it's not the portfolio that they have. How many gigawatts? It's it's what it's in your head. It's your knowledge to do business. It's how to develop the project in in the U.S. So maybe sometimes it's more wise just to sell your credentials to those new to those new investors and say, listen, this is what I've done. This is the markets where I work. This is the, the municipalities that I, that I deal with, is zoning issues and and so forth. Why don't we work together, make some sort of a partnership? And uh, I can develop those projects with those without those headaches for you guys. And we can we can build a, 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 and and again think out of the box and try to come with some sort of joint ventures where you can get some sort of development agreements for these guys and these guys not having all the risk up front and uh, uh, you taking the, the uh, and you as a developer having the the risk that that you are most uh, uh, accustomed to and that you feel all right navigating with and uh, with with a already prospective uh, buyer on your back for the type of projects that these guys are looking for what I heard is that people are the key asset. Sometimes it's easier and better and more wise to sell your credentials. Know 
what kinds of standard processes uh, you can help them utilize to so quote jump to the head of the line, so to speak, and then mm-hmm. how they may not be looking necessarily for a pipeline. Let's be honest, a pipeline is just another. Uh, it's a lowest common denominator style of product. What they're looking for is a team. And it comes back to operations. Maybe mm. they've picked place. They could have invested anywhere in the world. So they've picked the United States. They understand the projects that they're interested in investing in, where by and large, you and I get contacted is because they don't understand the people and they need good people. Mm-hmm. I have a great example. Someone you and I both know who just left a job. He's worked for two decades for manufacturing, namely for inverter manufacturers. And has never directly developed a project. He is now full-time developing a project because he had a good relationship with a European fund who reached out and said, we don't think developing projects is the hard part. We think developing people and trust is the hard part. And you seem to have that in spades. Can we give you this uh, obscene amount of money to go (laughs) buy projects or develop them? And they're willing to invest in Greenfield. I think that's a whole other conversation that we could have on what stage of the pipeline to invest in and where the best opportunity is. So maybe we'll hold that for the next conversation. The last two things I want to ask you is as a developer in the United States, if I want to attract this kind of investment, is there any, is there a particular sort of dress I need to wear? Meaning, is there a kind of document or package or process through which I can more easily present my qualifications or, or skills, right? That you find perhaps folks come to you and, and, you spend more time sort of getting them dressed than taking them to the ball? To your question, yes, definitely. And as you were mentioning, sometimes it's better to sell your credentials than to sell uh, your projects. Once you're in front of these guys, it's better to let them know, listen, this is who we are. This is what we've done. This is the how many years of experience we have in this industry, in this market. And this is what we've we've accomplished. Instead of saying this is the product and I want to sell it to you and push it like a, like a pusher. Right. Mm, yeah. Is there, as there is with project development generally, like a standard template for what an international investors are kind of looking for that you usually take your, 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 your partners or your, you know, your clients through in terms of organizing that information? Peach, uh, elevator peaches and, and, and mm-hmm. peaches come in any ways, shapes and forms. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm myself that I come from the corporate world. I really don't tend to to pay too much attention to the uh, to the deck that is in front of me. It's more about mm-hmm. the guy who's who's pitching the the, the deck to me. Sometimes I uh, in my in my former life I interrupted the whole thing and I started a more candid discussion in order to know these guys to know if they could bring to the table what I needed and and have more a candid conversation instead of, of of just trying for them to sell me their company. I love this because especially if you're trying to attract companies from Latin America, they're going to do business with you because they trust you because they want to form a relationship with you, not because they believe that you have the most sterling track record or can provide the most granular data. Yes, that's important. It's almost table stakes, but uh, I see a lot of folks obsessing about their pitch deck or their their financial model, and they are two, three, six months behind schedule on actually presenting that to someone useful mm-hmm. because they just stare at their navel wondering if they've got all their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered a hill of beans because what, they, what the partner in the field Let's, call, let's say our, the partner in Colombia wants to know is inside your head already. And if it's not inside your head already, then they're not going to work with you anyway. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, and that brings me to the final question. So a lot of folks don't even know where to get started. What 
do you see are the the primary channels through which regional and local developers are able to find and attract international investment? What I've seen a lot happening, especially the last two years, it's that, uh, as you know, the the solar world, it's a uh, it's a nutshell. Everybody knows each other. So a lot of these uh, uh, folks that are trying to to come to the U.S., their the fir- their, their first touch base it's their network, people that they know that they, they already are in the market and try. And, and as you mentioned, even though they're not directly on development, uh, they will reach out to to their Trina guys or their or their inverter guys who are already there and start trying to figure out the. Uh, the market and and getting acquainted with with some with some other folks, so I would definitely encourage you to to try to work that network that you already created, and exploit the network net network that has been created by Nico, <laughs> or <laughs> myself included inclusive. I mean, uh, I'm I'm open to take any calls from anybody if they need any any word of advice in order to uh, to get to those contacts and and to try to put their projects out there or their, their, yeah. their, their support. So I'm going to add to that list and it's a little bit refashioning what you've said because I think that you put in especially one ingenious one that I hadn't thought about and it should have been obvious. The four areas that I think folks routinely underestimate or undervalue their ability to get, I'll call it leverage or access to partners whether they're investors, whether they come on as legit business partners, whether they are buying your portfolio, however it is, from outside of the market and from inside of the market, it kind of goes through these same four channels pretty consistently. There are others, but I think these are elegant ones. The first you mentioned, your product vendors. In the solar industry, that's your, your modules, your racking, your inverters, your distributors. The second is your education channels. And I think this one is super undervalued by Americans who don't realize how many Latinos in particular come to schools and not just Ivy League schools. You just did a presentation at Tulane, right? Tulane's a great school, yeah. by no means an Ivy League school. And it's a great school where loads of Latinos go, right? Because it's, it's in the oil and gas mm-hmm. belt, Absolutely, right? Yeah. It's in, the, it's in that, that nexus of New Orleans and Houston. And, you know, so Rice University, Tulane, Brown, um, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, University of Texas, all these schools are gold mines for young, uh, young associate engineers who just spent four years with future business magnates in Latin America, who they became great friends with. And just to add up a little bit more on, on that into the, into the relationship part, these uh, associate engineers that maybe doesn't mean too much to you in terms of bringing value from the engineering perspective, they're going to bring a lot of value because uh, in terms of relationships. Right. Because anybody who comes here to the U.S. to study from abroad, they're connected. Yeah, that's right. And the people I met when I was at Trina, who were young entrepreneurs or maybe working for their father, are now running the company. They're now bringing their businesses to the United States. Mm-hmm. The last two sectors or the last two channels are obvious for anyone sort of inside of the industry. But if you're tangential to the industry, if you're broadly in infrastructure, it'll make sense to you. But we'll state them as uh as obvious and as, in, and as important for anyone who is just trying to learn this sector and trying to figure things out. The first is the one that has served us the most when we were going international, and that's lawyers. You're going to need somebody to CYA and to help you structure your contracts. And no one is better at putting relationships and networks together than, uh, than your legal counsel. 
and you're going to need it anyway. So mm-hmm. if you're a developer, a smart move is to make sure you know what law firms are being approached by the Latinos or the Middle Eastern or the Asian firms that want to invest in the United States and figure out how to network with them uh, so that they are clear. And this comes to a sub bullet, but that they're clear that you're looking for partners, that you're looking for investment. I think far too few people actually are clear with their stakeholders, their vendors, their lawyer, their education channels, and this fourth channel that I'll mention, that they actually are open to bringing in outside investment or bolting on their business to somebody else's business. And the fourth is, should be obvious, third-party engineering services. There are a ton of them. One of them is you know, partner engineering, and you guys do an, an amazing job of due diligence for folks. Um, and it's arguably a name that folks may not be very familiar with uh, who are listeners to the show. They're more familiar perhaps with the Latos and DNV and other firms similar to that who are well-known globally. Vector Quattro yes. that we used down in Latin America, right? There's a lot of these types of firms, but you can leverage this channel. You can leverage a third-party engineering firm because their core job is to separate the wheat from the chaff to make sure that the banks trust you and that you and that your documents are in order, that your due diligence is tight so that when you get ready to sell the asset or bring on an investor or acquire a portfolio, you are really clear on whether or not the ones and zeros add up to what you expected. Can you, on that note, give us a final thought on uh, on partner and how folks can get in touch with you and perhaps where you specialize particularly? Well, uh, thanks for, for that opportunity, Nico. Yes, well, uh, as you already mentioned, I work for Partner Engineering Science. We are 1,200 employee company, a specialized not only in solar, uh, I would say that uh, it's it's a pretty new uh, business unit for 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 the whole business. But we believe we are a one stop shop because uh, mm-hmm. we do environmental services for different in- industries, real estate, Fannie Mae's, and uh, we have a broad team around the U.S. Uh, we have a geotech, geotechnical services, um, as I mentioned, environmental. And uh, we have almost all these specialties uh, in house, so we don't we don't only do IE support for for banks. We are also expanding, and we're becoming pretty proficient on that as uh, owners rep. We are helping these, uh, as you were mentioning, um, uh, firm firms that are coming from from abroad to understand the project they're buying. Please help me understand if if this asset is worth what what these guys are telling me that it's worth. Am I going to be able to develop and develop it on, on time? Is the, is the equipment? Is the price that 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 they're telling me it's it's uh, it's it's a market price? Or they're trying to see yeah. my they're trying to take advantage of me considering that I'm from from elsewhere. And we're working all around the U.S. representing owners. Uh, not only evaluating projects, but also negotiating with the EPC companies, with the OEM providers, mm-hmm. in order for them to have all uh, be, based on our experience and on what what a, a, a operational or a, a contract should look like and, and acceptable by the banks. Uh, we know exactly what needs to be done, and we help our customers navigate uh, that world here in the U.S. Well, Sergio. You have also definitely helped us navigate the world uh, that you operate in day to day in under an hour. And we're grateful for that. If folks want to connect with you directly, where do you like to be found? What's the easiest way for folks to reach out? 
you can look me up on LinkedIn, Sergio Blanco. And you can also learn a little bit more about our, about our, our company and who we are and uh, what projects we're involved with on www.partneresi.com. Uh, mm -hmm. That's our webpage. And uh, we would be glad to take any phone calls or requests uh, for advice. I love to yeah. be, as, as Nico knows, I think I've coached him for a while and I coach some other folks. I would love to to help you navigate this world as well. Yeah. Well, you've been a great mentor, both to me personally and now to the Suncast tribe. Thank you, Sergio Blanco. Sergio is the Director of Project Finance at Partner Engineering and Science, otherwise known as Partner. You can find them at partneresi.com. Sergio, thanks for joining us here on Suncast. Again, thanks for having me. All right. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warrior. And I am so grateful that you are here for this one. Now you are well-armed for the year ahead I'm so grateful for my friend and mentor, Sergio Blanco, and the folks at Partner for allowing him to take some time to share with us what it looks like to expand into new markets, namely here in the United States, what it looks like to be a good local partner for those who wish to do so. If you want to enjoy even more episodes like this, well, there's more than 400 episodes, resources, highlights from discussions along with social media links to each guest, book recommendations, and so much more over in our show notes section of the website. And if you've been wondering how you could partner with Suncast as a sponsor, get coaching from me personally to help scale your business or career, or just commune with other like-minded souls on their clean energy journey, you can find what you need at mysuncast.com. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.